0: Good morning. It's 8.30. I'm Karen Brown and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, find out why victims of domestic violence in Mississippi will still have a hard time getting divorced from their abusers.
2: cannot get a divorce from their violent husbands because they can't meet Mississippi's standard for a divorce. In many cases, that just causes the offenders much glee because they have been able to, again, use the court system to inflict power and control over their victims.
0: Then learn what it's like growing up transgender in Mississippi, plus a Southern Remedy Health Minute with Dr. Rick DeShazo. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Victims of domestic violence will continue to have a difficult time getting a divorce in Mississippi. A bill that would have added domestic abuse as grounds for divorce died when a committee chairman decided not to consider it. Sandy Middleton is with the Center for Violence Prevention, a group that assists abuse victims. She tells MPB's Ezra Wall it can be very difficult for married victims of domestic violence to get away from their abusers.
2: Our present situation here in Mississippi leaves victims languishing in violent homes. At this present time, the center has close to a dozen victims who have active divorce cases in front of a chancery court, and they cannot get a divorce from their violent husbands because they can't meet Mississippi's standard for divorce. And in many cases, that just causes the offenders much glee because they have been able to, again, use the court system to inflict power and control over their victims.
3: The chairman who declined to bring this bill up before his committee is Representative Andy Gibson of Braxton. Uh, He's a Republican. And um, he has he's also an ordained minister. And and he talks openly about uh, he doesn't want the state to be to to be able to make it easier for people to uh, get divorced. And he wants uh, a a healing process to happen in these broken relationships and not one that ends in divorce. And that's very important important to him um is is there some like common ground that can be found with some with somebody like that who just who just doesn't think the state should be allowing people to get divorced
2: you know there's always a difference when you look at things idealistically and when you look at things realistically and how it plays out in people's lives every day Uh, in our state inhumane treatment is what's required and it's difficult to prove and also our present law requires corroboration and so many times the only people who can corroborate the acts of violence are the children in the home which is terribly traumatic for them and of course we also know that children who were in these violent homes and who are forced because of our laws to stay in these violent homes often suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder and, and they also become victims of the cycle that we know exists with domestic violence, where, you know, the statistics prove that because they had to stay in a, in a violent home, they're much more likely to either grow up to be an offender or to be a victim. So it's, um, while I share Chairman Gibson's philosophy that offenders should get some help. There's some issues around that. The options for batters intervention programs, and I assume that's what the reference is to, uh, batters intervention programs are not offered across the state. Uh, They're also not supported by many courts. Also, the state doesn't give any financial assistance to batters intervention programs many times small nonprofits are shouldering the load and the financial responsibility to rehabilitate all these domestic violence offenders. And so it's just a situation that's that's just not a solution. I mean, we certainly uh, we work with hundreds of offenders here locally in our bearers intervention program, but when you look at the number of divorces, it's not possible for small nonprofits, and neither is our system set up for um, – these agencies to to shoulder that that sort of responsibility.
3: I don't really know how many people are affected by domestic violence or what percentage of marriages are affected by domestic violence. Are there are there uh, authoritative statistics on that subject?
2: I don't believe we have those statistics in our state and we certainly need to work harder to 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 obtain those statistics because it looks like we'll be coming back to the legislature with this again and, and we certainly use more information as we, you know, as we we deal with this problem. But I can tell you that practically every client or every victim that we deal with has a need for some sort of interaction in the court. And and most of the time it is seeking a divorce and a child custody situation. So, and coupled with the fact that in our state, uh, there's, there's such a of of justice for um middle and low income people that what happens the result of this is that is that victims, men and women are required to maintain and stay in this violent relationship, and it creates a lifetime of of horror basically for you know for these individuals
3: how often in Mississippi is domestic violence literally a life or death issue?
2: Well, I mean, we've seen, what, three examples in the last few months of domestic violence homicide.
3: So if this is an issue for someone who might be listening, um, and if someone is experiencing this in, in their life, who do they reach out to first? What do they do?
2: Well, anytime uh, someone's seeking assistance and they're a victim of domestic violence, sexual assault, or human trafficking, we encourage them to call the Center for Violence Prevention assistance. We actually offer some legal assistance in these situations. Our 800 number is 800-266-4198. We're also active on Facebook. Our website is mscvp.org. But we're also active on Instagram, Facebook, and um, and Twitter for, for additional information.
3: Sandy Middleton is the executive director of the Center for Violence Prevention. Sandy, thank you very much for helping us understand this issue more today. Thank you,
0: Ezra. It's always good to hear from you. Cruel and inhuman treatment is already one of the 12 grounds for divorce in Mississippi. Victims advocates like Sandy Middleton say the burden of proof is too high in that category. Republican Representative Andy Gibson of Braxton chairs the House Judiciary B Committee. He says he didn't bring up two separate divorce-related bills because he didn't think they were necessary. He explains to MPB's Desiree Fraser:
4: The uh, divorce bills that came to us from the Senate, there were two of them. One of them uh, would have allowed a ground for divorce in any case where a couple have been separated for two years or more. And uh, I did not take that bill up because I was concerned uh, how broad it was—that anyone could leave a marriage for any reason, to you know, good reason, bad reason, no reason, be gone for two years, and then they would be given a a ground for divorce against the innocent uh, member of that marriage. So I had just a fundamental concern with that, and didn't have time to work out any way to fix that. The other bill, uh, I think, was well intentioned. That is the. Uh, domestic uh, abuse ground for di- divorce. The problem is a lot of people don't realize it's already a ground for divorce. Uh, domestic abuse, any other type of abuse under the uh, cruel and inhuman treatment ground for divorce that's in the state law, have been in the law for you know years and years. So um, all that bill would have done was adding the phrase, including uh, spousal domestic abuse. But that's already covered under cruel and inhuman treatment, and courts have held that domestic abuse would be a ground for divorce. So I don't think that's necessary. At the same time, I was concerned that without defining what is spousal abuse, you know, someone can interpret uh, uh, one instance of raising a voice at at their spouse. Is that spousal abuse? Someone could say that or make that argument, and I just... uh, just had pause with you know opening the, the floodgates uh, for that uh, without a clear definition, and we've got established case law about abusive situations. So uh, we'll look at it again next year, and I talked with my Senate counterparts. Maybe there's a way to craft a narrowly tailored bill to address these concerns and, uh, for both uh, sets of circumstances. But uh, the bottom line is, the law is what it always has been, which is abuse of any form is a ground for divorce
5: so why do you need the bills
4: well that's what i asked why did we need the bills the senate passed the bills and sent them over here i didn't think it was necessary so i didn't take them up and uh, uh that we'll look at it again next year
0: in other news democrats may not be happy with the vision president donald trump laid out in his first address to a joint session of congress last evening but Mississippi Republican Congressman Greg Harper is praising it. Matt Laszlo has the story from Washington.
6: Democrats didn't like the president's call to drastically increase military spending while cutting social programs here at home. But Republicans love what they heard. Congressman Harper says the president's priorities are just what the state's economy needs.
1: Oh, I, I, think, uh, I think obviously as we look at uh, reducing the tax burden on corporations, Uh, increasing trade opportunities, creating an environment in the country where jobs are there. Uh, I mean, the state of Mississippi is a great state if you can get people to come look, CEOs to come look.
6: The Republican Party has traditionally been pro-trade, while Trump is much more of a protectionist. That's why Republicans are glad the president called for fair trade, not merely isolationism. Harper says some in his party are still coming along, but he's on board.
1: There's some issues there that maybe we haven't looked at quite that way in the past, uh, but I think it's going to be a a great path forward.
6: Still, Democrats didn't like the address and accused the president of maintaining a partisan campaign-style tone instead of trying to reach across the aisle to forge compromises on Capitol Hill. I'm Matt Laszlo in Washington.
0: Hear what it's like growing up transgender in Mississippi. That's next. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
4: informative mpb news stories the local shows you love up-to-date severe weather info and a state and worldwide reach telling the story of mississippi you're listening to mpb think radio
1: Hi, I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo for Southern Remedy. Each Wednesday, we answer your calls on health issues of interest to you. They range from medical questions on kids, young adults, baby boomers, and seniors. Whatever you need to know. Join me for Southern Remedy this morning at 11 on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo, professor of medicine and pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, and this is a Southern Remedy Health Minute. Most of the guys I see in my clinic who are over 65 years of age are wanting to know about testosterone, especially if they have symptoms of sexual dysfunction or trouble walking or low vitality. We know already that supplementation of testosterone is associated with an increased risk of cardiovascular disease to include heart attacks and strokes and a worsening of high blood pressure. In this study, men who did not have cardiovascular disease but had symptoms of sexual dysfunction were treated with testosterone to get their levels into the normal range after they were found to be low. Well, here's the news. In symptomatic older men raising testosterone for one year had moderate benefit for sexual function and some benefit for mood, but no benefit for walking distance or vitality. So what's the bottom line? The bottom line is testosterone therapy for men over 65 has to be individualized. So it's best to talk to your primary care doctor about this before starting it. For more health tips and medical information, listen for Southern Remedy each weekday at 11, where the doctors are always in. For MPB Think Radio, I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo.
5: You work hard to offer a high-quality, unique product, and you need an audience that appreciates this. MPB listeners go out of their way to find diverse perspectives and award-winning news and programming. Make our audience your audience with an MPB underwriting credit. For more information, go to mpbonline.org.
0: Mississippi edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. An Oxford High School student is expressing concern over President Trump's decision to roll back federal guidelines ensuring bathroom protections. My day is transgender. She says she's too nervous to use her gender identifying bathroom at high school, even though most people at the school have been understanding. My shared her story with correspondent Matt Kessler.
7: So, probably around like 10, I realized that something was up, but maybe around 15 is when I started coming out to people and telling like friends and stuff.
6: Tell me about
7: how that's been at high school. There's some things that like people say that aren't super great, but I mean, teenagers are mean anyways. So I would say Oxford High School is pretty good in respect to like how they treat trans students.
6: So, okay. So
7: let's start when
6: you're Fifteen, yeah. sixteen. But before any before yeah. Obama even passes yeah. his transgender bathroom protection. Yeah. How did you feel going
7: then? It's it's always awkward. It's always like uncomfortable. I always try to go to the bathroom when nobody else is in there. Yeah, because it's such a strictly male place, it feels very uncomfortable and weird.
6: Okay, so then could you tell me how you felt when Last May, Obama passes
7: the Transgender Bathroom Protection. It felt awesome, and I, it was really cool. So I hadn't taken advantage of it, but it, did, it felt great. Like a door had been opened, but a door that I was, wasn't ready to go through. But it was still, it was something that was like the government cares about us, and the school has to let us, even if we're not ready to do it.
6: So you never attempted to
7: use the bathroom, your gender-identified bathroom, which would be the female bathroom? Yeah, it's just... It's not... In a place like Mississippi, even if the schools are safe, like I feel safe with the administration, it's it's just not... I don't feel safe doing it. You're saying about because of your classmates? Yeah, because of classmates and because of, like, other administration that don't know me. What is it that makes you scared? I I'm afraid of being... Colored in a bad light, like the idea of people going in there just to get at people, I feel like would be something I would be perceived as, and i I really would hate to have that impression on people
6: critics of the transgender yeah. bathroom say, "Oh well, this will just allow people to go mm-hmm. into other bathrooms i I think the assumption is for maybe perverted reasons,
7: yeah, yeah,, how do you react to that it's a really upsetting idea because the idea of trans people as Perversion has, is so ingrained in our society that that's an accepted idea is really deeply upsetting. Trans people are just going into bathrooms and assaulting people when there's no factual evidence for that.
6: Now, could you tell me how you felt this past week when the Trump administration mm-hmm. revoked the Obama transgender bathroom protection?
7: When If I say that Obama's was like opening a door, uh, Trump's was like having a door shut. ...in your face as you're about to walk through it. It was devastating. Why was it still upsetting to you? It's upsetting because they're taking away something we had. Even if you weren't taking advantage of it, it's, it still felt like we had won something. We had a victory. And now the Trump administration took that victory away.
6: Do you fear that the bullying will get worse because of this decision?
7: I feel like bullying will get worse because the, the viewpoint has become more acceptable... We've definitely seen that in more um, outright racist viewpoints being said. And I think transphobia is just coming up next. It's going to be the more negative uh, media or negative people we have talking about it, the worse it's going to get. And the fact that the people in the highest point of power are saying these things is terrible. Did you see any of your classmates celebrating the decision? I didn't see anybody celebrating it. Um, in person, but I have definitely seen things on social media of people retweeting things that uh, people are saying. What have they retweeted? Uh, a lot of things like trans people are trying to just take over. They're trying to get things that they don't deserve or a lot of things about the perversion and like the whole idea of just some a man in a dress coming and sneaking into the bathroom.
6: You're a senior in yes. high school.
7: What's next? Uh, I'm going to go to Ole Miss for college and go on from there. Does something like this make you question whether or not you should stay in Mississippi? Definitely. I was sure of it, that I wanted to go to Ole Miss for a while, but now I feel a little more sketchy about staying in Mississippi after college because I was planning on it. I really do like Mississippi, but it's just so scary to know that we live in such a, um, I don't want to say conservative, but such a... um, uh, close-minded area. How have your parents been with this whole process? My parents are great. Um, they are as understanding as they can be.
6: Do you have any fears or doubts?
7: About my parents? No. But in general, yes. I, I have worries about trying to find a job. I have worries that when I start hormones, I'll lose my current job. Uh, it's just, it's really scary out there. For some critics who might say you know, th- this is a whim,
6: especially someone at your age, at mm. 18, you, you know, this is a big decision and
7: maybe you're not sure yet. What, what would you say to them? It took a long time for me to realize. It took a long time for me to come out. And people think it's, it's a whim, but it's not. It's, for any trans person to come out, it's been years. Just to start dressing the way they like is a long, painful road. And I don't think people understand that.
0: My Day is a transgender student at Oxford High School. She spoke with correspondent Matt Kessler. In other news, a bill to collect Internet sales taxes didn't survive a Tuesday deadline in the Mississippi legislature. As MPB's Desiree Frazier reports, lawmakers have mixed opinions on the issue.
5: Representatives in the House passed a bill that will collect 7% in sales tax for Mississippians who shop online. The measure could generate between 50 to $150 million in revenues for roads and bridges. But Republican Lieutenant Governor Tate Reeves called the measure unconstitutional, saying Mississippi can't force companies that don't have a presence in the state to collect sales taxes. House Republican Trey Lamar of Sinatobia authored the measure.
4: I'll just say I look forward... To see in the plan that the lieutenant governor is going to put forward to help our roads.
5: Republican Senator Joey Fellengain of Sumrall agrees with Reeves. He chairs the Finance Committee and says a U.S. Supreme Court case prevents states from forcing companies to collect sales taxes if the firms don't have a connection to the state. Fillingain says internet sales are considered interstate commerce, which is under federal jurisdiction.
1: We just don't have the authority as the state legislature of the state of Mississippi to go in and change federal law or to overrule a U.S. Supreme Court decision.
5: House Democrat Bryant Clark of Holmes County sees the issue as a tax shift. He says lawmakers have passed more than $750 million in tax cuts for out-of-state corporations.
4: I think we need to slow down. We need to come back next year. We need to roll back some of those corporate taxes before we start rolling taxes onto the citizens of the state.
5: Republican House Speaker Philip Gunn still supports the Internet sales tax. The State Department of Revenue is proposing a rule that requires all large sellers to collect taxes after Amazon agreed to do so. Desiree Frazier, MPB News.
0: Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for local Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's Fix It 101. Then at 10, Everyday Tech. And at 11 o'clock, stay tuned for Southern Remedy. If you missed part of the show today, you can find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online at mpbonline.org or by downloading the MPB Public Media app in any mobile store. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 830 for the next Mississippi edition only on MPB Think Radio.
1: I'm Jeremy Hobson. We'll have congressional reaction to President Trump's address to a joint session of Congress. Will Republicans stick with him on a repeal and replace of Obamacare? And will they be on the same page when it comes to Social Security, Medicare, and domestic spending cuts? Reaction to the president's address. That's next time on Here and Now.
4: Today at noon on MVB Think Radio.
1: I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo for Southern Remedy. Each Wednesday, we answer your calls on health issues of interest to you. They range from medical questions on kids, young adults, baby boomers, and seniors. Whatever you need to know. Join me for Southern Remedy this morning at 11 on MPB Think Radio.